Welcome to the Work Minus Podcast. We talk about what we need to drop from the way we think about work and what we need to replace it with to be prepared for the future. Go to workminus.com to see a transcript of this episode, more podcasts, articles, and a newsletter that connects you to the best ideas about work. All right, enjoy the show. Welcome back to Work Minus. Today, our guest is Robbie Samuels. He's a keynote speaker, author, and relationship-based business strategist, and this is Work Minus Scarcity. Hi, Robbie. How are you? Really good. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you on. This is a a really interesting topic we're talking about, Work Minus Scarcity, and we're going to come at it from a different angle. But I want you just to introduce yourself to our guest and talk about how you got into your field. Well, I have always loved organizing events and convening people. It's it's actually been a way for me to feel welcomed into a space. And so I ran meetup groups and uh, conferences and things like that for years. And now I actually work with associations to, to increase retention, engagement, and member value by creating more welcoming and inclusive conference experiences. So my work sort of come full circle and... Uh, I think you know the the idea of abundance is definitely kind of woven through, as is uh, the inclusion piece. All right, so we're talking about relationships. We're talking sort of about networking, sort of not about networking as well. So let's get into this. How do you define work minus scarcity? What does that mean for you? Well, I think that too often people act as if if you know if I share some knowledge with someone, then uh, I'm going to lose something. And so I'm going to give you an example. I was just talking to uh, a, a colleague. She's going to a conference and she says, oh my gosh, I just saw that another person in my space, meaning sort of a, a not quite an, a direct competitor, but someone who's in the same you know, IT space was going to be there. And she got all nervous about it. And I said, well, hey, you know, here's an outside the box idea. Why not invite them to lunch? Why not convene a bunch of people that are going to be there from that space? And then you'll be the convener. And she was like, I intellectually know what you mean, but I'm <laughs> really nervous about this idea. And I'm afraid that I might, I don't know, give something away or say something that's wrong or something will just blow up in my face. And I was like, to me, I'm like, wow, how can we just operate in a way where there's more than enough. They're not a direct competitor. They may be actually a collaborator. They may make an introduction for you down the line. They might just be a champion of what you're doing or just sort of appreciate and get what you're doing. So for me, like leaving behind that scarcity mindset and really believing in the abundance of what we do, the offerings in the world, and, and surrounding ourselves with people who, who value that, um, who, who live those values, I think that's just a much more rich an easy way of living than one where you're sort of scarcity and fear-based around how you make decisions. Yeah, so we're talking about an abundance of relationships. Would you define it another way too? Abundance of knowledge, abundance of opportunities? Yeah, so I've been operating for the last 15 years with what I call the philosophy of abundance, which is that if I give away knowledge, it doesn't deplete me in the same way that if I give away time or money. If I give away time or money, yeah, I do. It's a finite resource. I give less time and less money. But when I give away knowledge, it actually increases the opportunities for those around me, which then actually increases my opportunities as well. And so I never hesitate to, I mean, I'm probably known for being very generous with what I know, the resources that I share, because I, I actually don't see that as depleting me. I see that as sort of a gift that then builds up my world, my network, my community. And I see it as very different than money and time. And I, and I think it's a, it's a great way to, to share what you have and, and be abundantly minded is to share your knowledge. So you talk about giving away time and money as something that, that's finite. I'm going to jump to one of my 
personal questions here. And there's always that dilemma of when you you have an opportunity to meet somebody, not necessarily at a networking event or at a conference or something like that, but they just, you know, it seems like a, a decent connection to make. But you have to judge whether or not that's worth your your time. How do you handle that decision? Whether or not, you know, this person or you always say yes if somebody invites you out, or do you often say no, maybe not? How do you make those decisions? It's a great question. And years ago, I used to spend a lot of time meeting people for coffee and letting them quote unquote pick my brain, which is a phrase I think we should all just like leave behind in the <laughs> 80s. Um, so nowadays, because we have the ability to meet online, I have a scheduling software that makes booking a time with me really easy. And so if I don't know exactly why the person is reaching out, if it's more of that, like, I want to pick your brain, I'd love to buy you a cup of coffee, I have a link for a 20-minute chat. And it's usually, a I prefer a video chat because then I do feel like I get to know them, but it could be a phone call. And even if they live local to me, I still make that the suggestion as opposed to meeting up in person. Because then it's 20 minutes of my time and maybe a little longer because I tend to go a little over if they're interesting. But that's my my way of sort of navigating that. And if it's someone that I feel uh, is definitely, I want to get to know them, I have another link that's 30 minutes to an hour and they get to choose, but the default is 30 minutes. Now, the default used to be an hour. And now that I changed the 30 minutes, most people pick 30. Mm. Um, if they have a specific ask or a specific thing for us to discuss, they'll pick 45 minutes or an hour and that's fine but I'm no longer spending an hour just doing a get to know you call. And I think that makes it a lot easier for me to say yes. And particularly if, if people are introducing me, you know, if you said, hey, I think you should meet this other person, I never want to say, oh, I don't know. What's the value of that? <laughs> because right. I mean, part of it is like, you don't know until you do it. So these pieces of technology have absolutely made it easier, both for me to say yes, but also to schedule it. Because honestly, the back and forth emails, trying to find a time, not knowing like who's calling who, I, that used to annoy me. So um, it's a lot easier just to say, yeah, this is, this is, just, let's just do this here. Here's my link. And, and I have to, you know, phrase it really nicely. You know, I use a scheduling link to make it easier to connect with me and to share my availability. Would you mind using it? Like, <laughs> you know, you don't want to be like, I'm a nail salon, book a time. <laughs> you don't want to <laughs> do that to people. But, um, but it's been, people are like, wow, this is great. I wish I could use this for my own business. And I always show them how. Yeah. What do you think is that difference between the digital relationship building in person? What is the advantage that you can never get by meeting someone face to face? And how much of an advantage is that? It's actually hard to really underscore how, how, how much um, more you can connect with someone in person. I mean, I do think that the, in, the online has been helpful. I mean, I had moments where I met someone through Twitter and after you know months of following each other, and then finally running to each other in person, we immediately were hugging. You know, it wasn't like the Twitter connection didn't build a relationship. It absolutely did. But if you meet a person and have a, you know, really hit it off and end up having a meal with them, that is going to be so much more memorable for that little bit of time that you invested. It's going to have a higher impact than if you, you know, like their stuff. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, like we, we sort of think of online almost in this like surfacey level. Now, if you invest and really develop and you know, put some effort into getting to know someone. If people are, let's say for you, if people are like sharing your content and commenting on your stuff and writing re reviews and recommendations and referring people to you that are high quality um, and buying your content, you know, and, and just talking well of you and being a huge ambassador, well, very quickly they're gonna rise to a level where you're gonna wanna get to know them. And that's how you 
that's how you sort of get on the radar of an influencer. So you'd usually have to start online, but you have to be very thoughtful about it in what I call sort of a high touch uh, level of effort as opposed to, you know, it's not just a like, it's not just a retweet. It has to be more than that and, and be very thoughtfully done. And this is the difference also between, you know, if someone's birthday or they get a new job on LinkedIn and people just do the automatic, like congrats on your job or happy birthday. If you do a little more, if you message them off that platform, um, you, if you have another way to reach them, a direct message way to reach them, a text message, a phone call, imagine that. That always <laughs> has a higher impact than just sort of like low bar stuff that we do online. Yeah. Do you feel like today platforms like like Twitter and, and LinkedIn are in some ways treated the same way as a, you know old time networking meeting where people just get around that they see somebody famous that's out there but they don't really know how to approach them. We have feel that same tension in the digital environment. Sometimes it's scary for us to to go to somebody we feel like is well known or we feel like we're going to be wasting our time or we don't know how to start that conversation or it's always very awkward. Do you see those parallels too? I do see that and I think one thing that I have in common is that you should always start by offering value before you ask for something. And all the things I mentioned earlier, you know, sharing content, writing reviews, um, being really being thoughtful about how you you know approach somebody, that's all offers. That's all giving before you ask. And I think the mistake people make is that they don't nurture their network and then they suddenly need one. You know, they're suddenly out of work. You know, you've gotten those messages. Someone's on LinkedIn suddenly reaching out, telling their entire, you know, network, hey, I'm looking for a job. And um, you're like, I haven't heard from you in like seven years. So I think of a network as insurance. You don't buy insurance expecting to use it. It's quite the opposite. We buy insurance hoping to never use it. And similarly, you develop a professional network that goes sort of both deep and diverse and if you find yourself needing something, that's part of the abundance mindset. It's just a relationship away. And, and I actually, I call myself a relationship-based business strategist because I truly believe that every challenge, whether business or in life, can be met through relationships. And that's mm-hmm. that's part of that same mindset around uh, the idea that it's, it's really an insurance policy. Hey everyone, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, the best way you can support us is to leave a review in your favorite podcast app. Or better yet, start a conversation with a friend about how you think we can make work better. Thanks. Yeah, and one of your taglines is, you know, stop wasting time networking, start building great relationships. That's a really powerful statement because I think when we hear networking, whether true or not, like we we always assume, okay, there's a lot of ulterior motives here. This is like just how you schmooze to get a job as opposed to actually building relationships and, and going through that. That's a really powerful distinction you make. Yeah, I do think that networking gets a bad rap, and it's even been um, it's been verified that people, you know, there's a Harvard study that says people feel that networking uh, it makes them feel dirty. Um, and what they're really the ick factor of networking is about transactional networking, which is very different than relational networking. And so I'm talking about relational networking, not not the time when you just reach out having never really reached out before and suddenly you're asking for something that's that's transactional and the people who keep track you know of who gave who to what that feels icky too so it's about giving without any expectation of something in return and knowing that it will come back to you in some way not maybe that direct person and so i think that you know when you're thinking about networking i want to reframe it to be about relationship building you know so another way to describe this is it if you become known as the kind of person who gives rides to the airport, you know, you're going to get a ride when you need one. And the most amazing part is it won't even have to be from someone who you've driven. People will just know the, 
Like they'll be like, wow, you're known. Like you're the kind of person who always helps out. I want to help you, even though you haven't helped me directly. Like that's that's the abundance of being that person who's always giving as opposed to keeping score or, you know, only reaching out when you need something. I feel like for a lot of people, the reason that they don't nurture their relationships, especially those outside of their company, is just because they get too busy. You know, you have lots of stuff to do at work. You're you're there Monday through Friday. You're you're doing your work, and then all of a sudden it's the weekend. You don't want to spend time thinking about work stuff, so you just ignore it. You push it off, push it off. So, what are some ideas for people who are in that situation where they they enjoy their work? They feel like okay, I don't really need a network right now because I don't need a job. Like, what is the impetus to, for them to get out there and really? find those extra things to do to build relationships outside of the company? Well, I'm glad that A, you're talking about this outside the context of networking events, because while I do focus a lot on that and conferences in particular, um, there's so many opportunities to build relationships and to you know network with people in everyday life. And at a company and people who are related to your company is a great opportunity. So I think part of it's like building a habit. So with my coaching clients, I, uh, for the first 90 days of, of this program, they have homework where twice a week they schedule 15 minutes to do these high touch points. So they want to do two high touch points a week for three months. By the end of that three months, they no longer really have to schedule it because now it's become a habit. They, they're, in, they're in the mode that they, they look for the reasons to do this. And as soon as they see an opportunity, they just do it. Without that habit, you just sort of like you you note that there's something you could do and then you just don't do it because you're just either you just don't have the skill set, you don't have the technology, you don't have the the mindset mostly. And so, for instance, you might say, oh, wow, I should totally introduce these two people. But then you don't do it because you're not really know how you just un- you're unsure you're you're nervous about it. But if you got into the habit of introducing people. Well, now when that sort of pops in your radar, you just go, oh, yeah, I should introduce the two people. Oh, well, then let me go about doing that, you know, and you reach out to each one of them, get their buy-in and then make the introduction happen. So I think that's a good way to start. Another one that I I like to give people is uh, to make a list of 20 people from your work history, not necessarily people you work with currently, but people you used to work with that you always enjoy their company and that you'd be happy to hear from them and then reach out to them, make a plan to spend a little bit of effort seeing where they are online, connecting with them, do a little, you know, start reaching out a little bit here and there. And not with anything, you know, particularly as an outcome, but just that it's a safe way to start to build that that sort of memory muscle, uh, that habit forming around reaching out to people. And you just don't know, even though these people, you know, may not be directly, um, I don't know, a a client prospect, they may end up being someone who knows somebody who is, or they might be able to give you an idea from another industry that then impacts the way you do the work you do. But more than anything, they believe in you, they trust you, right? Know, like, and trust is what we're all trying to get to. And if they already know, like, and trust you, why not start there sharing with them like what you're up to, listening to what they're up to? So I think those two things would be a good way in if it's something you've been sort of out of the habit of doing. Yeah, those are great. And and I like the idea. It's like, if I think about it, I don't have to schedule to go to a networking event. Like you said, I can just find a friend that I haven't met with in a while or find somebody else and just just meet and then meet somebody after that. Like it can just uh, keep going on in these one-on-one relationships. That really does a great job. Mm-hmm. Let's talk more about this idea of diversity, inclusion. We had Amy Wanninger on the show earlier. She was awesome and really opened my eyes to the idea of, you know, diversity starts with your network. When it comes time to to bring people into your company, when it comes time to 
uh, looking around you for advice. You look to the people you know, and if you haven't intentionally built up people around you who are different than you, then that's a big problem. It's hard to, to solve. And so my takeaway from her session was this is where you have to start with when, when it comes to diversity. So where do you approach that? How do you encourage people to be more inclusive in their networking on the one-on-one level? Let's start there. Well, I just want to say one that I agree with Amy. She's great and her book's great. Um, and I think that first you have to answer, well, why is it important to have a diverse network? And I think one one easy answer that comes to mind is that the most innovative ideas for your business, for your industry, for your career are going to come from the edges of your network. It's not going to be people who have the exact same schooling as you because they, they think the same way you do. So the innovative ideas come from people who have a different um, experience level, a different upbringing, a different career trajectory, different education. So it's very powerful. And if you're the person in your industry who's willing and able to make those connections across multiple sectors, across different industries, that's actually an advantage. That is a very key advantage today that a lot of people just put their head down and do their work. Now, the mistake that people make to get to your point around sort of one-on-one connections is that they'll travel to a conference and uh, you know there was a study by the International Association of uh, Exhibitions and Events that said that uh, I think it was 73 or 75% of participants say that networking is a top driver for why they chose to attend an event, which kind of makes sense that three out of four people, you know, networking is why they're going. But then you also hear anecdotally all the time that people feel like, wow, you know, I didn't really meet the right people. I went there. I don't know if it was worth it. And that the disconnect is what I said earlier about that Harvard study about how people feel around networking. And so part of it is that you have to really set some intentions and have some practices. One mistake people make is that if they do go and talk to someone who is different than them, which is, you know, they're like, okay, I heard on this podcast that I should go do that. (laughs) The first thing they do is they call out difference and they do it in a way by asking a curious question. Now, here's an innocuous example. It's like, while you're tall, how tall are you? You know, if you're over 12 years old, you probably shouldn't be saying that. Like, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, we've all done it, but like, hopefully not recently. And we know not to do that, but yet, you can imagine how a person who's super tall or super short is going to get asked that question all the time. But the same thing can be true for uh, skin color, accents, uh, hair texture, um, you know, all these different things. Like the question, where you know, where are you from, is actually a really loaded question, particularly today's cultural climate. And so by pointing out these differences, it, it makes people think, wow, maybe I don't really fit here. Maybe I don't belong. And it makes them feel othered, which is the opposite of being welcomed. So, and also on a very simple level, you're not very memorable if you say the thing that everyone always says to them. So I met someone the other day whose last name is Wee, W-E-E. Mm-hmm. And I went, I'm sorry, how do you spell that? And he told me, I went, okay. And I just kept going. And I could just imagine in my head how many people <laughs> feel the need to like comment on that. You know, I also met a Ben Franklin, you know, and like, you just kind of have to go, Okay, I'm, you know, and eventually I got to know Ben Franklin and have a conversation about how he ended up with his name. But like, if you ask that question right away, it's really off-putting. And we all have things about ourselves, depending on the situation, that might feel uh, a little more, you know, stand out in ways from that from the normal crowd in the room, like demographically an outlier. Some of us that happens all the time, and for some of us, you know, we occasionally find ourselves in a space where we aren't like everyone else. Or we don't feel like everyone else. And so 
why would we want to put that on other people? You know, and this is sort of what I call the downside to being a unicorn. You, you think it's all like rainbows yeah. um, and sunny skies, but it's, you know, it's, it's kind of hard. It's like, oh, you got that horn on your head. Yeah. It's like, wow, can I touch that? Yeah. You know, like a unicorn. I've never met a unicorn. Hey, what's it like to? And I'm an out trans guy. So like on a personal level, that's how I think of it. You know, and coming out in large groups always has felt better for me because people are less likely to give me that knee jerk response and then, you know, ask the curious question. And, you know, if they do in a one on one setting, I just always say, hey, that's why Google is it. <laughs> you know, you can go ask Google, which <laughs> um, is because they're not really asking about me. They're they're treating it like, a, you know, like, oh, I've never met someone like that, which there's a point in a relationship, you know, when you and I are trading grammar recipes and then all's fair game. Like, you know, if I'm willing to share about me, then you're willing to share about you. That's cool. But in the first three, four, five, 20 minutes, <laughs> probably want to like hold off on that. And that's, that is a key, I think, to building a more diverse network is not messing up that moment and causing people to feel like, well, gee, that person made, did not make me feel like I belonged here, or like I was welcomed. Hmm. That's really good stuff. Very powerful. Let's give somebody some advice. If everyone's got a conference to head it up to, somebody's going to say, you know, I'm an introvert. I don't like meeting people. I don't want to walk up to somebody I don't know. What's just some really simple advice you can give to them to help them out? Well, part of it is that it's about preparation. So introverts, you should all rejoice because what I'm about to tell you allows you to do a bunch of work ahead of time and then spend an hour at an event and leave feeling like you've accomplished your goals. I don't know how to spend only an hour. Um, I am an outgoing extrovert, so I stay to the end, and I know how to stack every kind of chair there is because I don't know how to leave. There are people there. I'm going to stay. But um, it's really about preparation. Like, why this event in particular? Who are you trying to meet? What information are you hoping to learn? What inspiration are you looking for? What can you offer this space? And then actually writing your draft of your follow-up message, your follow-up email, before you go to the event. Now, you're not hitting send. You know, you haven't met anyone yet. But you have this, like, you're really getting clear in your head about what your intentions are. And you've drafted this message, which just makes you so much more sure of who you are and what you're going to bring into this space. And then you really, you spend an hour being really clear about making an effort. So if you're super shy, you might only try to meet one or two people, reconnect with one or two people. If you're more outgoing, maybe it's three people. Like it really depends on sort of how comfortable you are around uh, just socializing. But then the other part of this is that you have a plan for following up. You've scheduled time, you know, within a couple of days to spend an hour, get your draft, track your business cards. I like to turn the corner down on the ones that are a higher priority. Um, and then you're more likely to follow through. And if you do that as a habit, you can go to fewer events and have a higher impact from those events. So you don't have to go to everything. I actually want you not to go to everything. So the experts who are listening, going to six things a week is not a better <laughs> plan than going to two and doing really, really like strategic selection of the event and then careful follow-up and nurturing people in that long-term kind of way. That goes, that's the difference between collecting business cards that you just kind of put in a box in your desk and then eventually in a drawer and then eventually recycle and then go collect more business cards. That's the cycle that I want people to break. That's the difference between that and actually developing relationships. Well, yeah, and it's we talk about this all the time on the show. It's the human element that we need to really get back to, drop all these more mechanical things that we do and get back to being great humans and just trading business cards, sending the the pat email response and hoping that somebody responds is is more of a mechanical way to do it. But if you're really looking to 
connect with somebody, build that relationship and, and be curious about their life and what's, what's going on with them and, and what you can learn from them, then that's, that's a beautiful thing as it comes back to. So I love that. All right, Rob, you got a lot to say. Everyone should check out your book. So tell us about the book first, Croissants versus Bagels, but I'm sure you've said it a thousand times, but what's the difference? Well, I, I want to explain this because people are always like, why is your book called Croissants versus Bagels? <laughs> Strategic, effective, and inclusive networking at conferences. So picture a networking event. People are standing in those tight clusters that are impossible to break into. Those shoulder-to-shoulder huddles, they're the bagels. And if one person in that circle opens their body language and makes space for others to join, that's the croissant. And so when you're in a space and you're trying to figure out where do I go, don't go stand in the corner. Don't stand on the side of the room you know, as a wallflower. Get into the space and look for those natural openings. Look for those croissants. Once you get into one of those bagels, make sure your own body language is shifted to be open and inviting other people to join you. Because actually the easiest, most graceful exit is when you're in a group. You know, when you're in three or four people, you just kind of say, hey, I've got to go. And you just kind of walk off. Um, it's harder to do that with two people. So if you have open body language, other people will sort of flow in and out of your conversation and it'll just be, it'll be nice. You'll meet more people. So that's the book. It's available at croissantsvsbagels.com. And there's a bunch of like bonus content there as well. Yeah, lots of good stuff. And then you also have your podcast. Tell us about that. Uh, thank you. The podcast and IG, are you guys podcast listeners? <laughs> <laughs> so um, the podcast is called On the Schmooze and that's S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E, onthechmooze.com is the site. And it, uh, it's been around all over three years and I've interviewed talented professionals who've achieved a, a level of success in their field or industry. And I ask them questions about leadership and networking to kind of gauge, you know, how, how do they do this? Because no one, no one achieves success on their own. So clearly they've built a network around themselves. Rob, this has been a lot of fun. I, I really am taking a lot away personally from this. A lot of the, the tips you gave about being intentional, thinking about it as relationship building instead of networking is, is really a, a good reminder and a good way to move forward in the future of work. So thanks a lot for coming on the show. You're welcome. I have a bonus for your listeners that I, I'd like to add, which All is... Right. 10 Tips for Conference Connections. It's a little three-page download that you can you know, pull up in your phone and scan before heading into an event. And it's available at robbysamuels.com forward slash work minus. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Robbie. Have a great day. Thanks. Hey, if you're the kind of person who listens to the very end, you must be a fan. Now, we are building a team of people who really love what we're talking about and want to go deeper. If you want to interact with guests, drive the content of WorkMinus and give feedback on our work before it goes public, send an email to neil at workminus.com. It's N-E-I-L at workminus.com and I'll get you connected.